In today's show, I'm going to be joined by Evan Damerell of the Locked On Cavs podcast. We're going to talk about Cleveland, their rotation, confusing off-season moves, all of that. Michael Bolton, he's here as well. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me, as always, on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Team preview shows, you know how we're doing them. One show with a guest talking rotation and local perspectives. The second show, we talk fantasy value of the players on that team. So we're doing the guest show here for the Cavs later on today. You will get the show talking about the fantasy value of these guys post Lowry, Markinen deal. So let's go ahead and let's bring in Evan Damrell of the Locked On Cavs podcast. All right, so here is the host of, one of the hosts of the Locked On Cavs podcast. Evan Damrell is here with me. Evan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm uh, I'm all right. We're just uh, just getting through these team previews at the moment, but uh, lucky we uh, lucky we did this one today because uh, about 24 hours ago the Cavs did make a, a move which uh, impacted impacts their rotation and their outlook for this upcoming season. We'll talk about that in just a second, but let's just get straight into the meat of what we're doing here, Evan. First of all, what is your opening night? No injuries. Projected starting five for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, I think the Cavs are going to lean on their youth. They've accumulated a lot of young talent over the last few or so years since LeBron left. I think the opening night lineup will be Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. Yeah, I, I that's the way that I tend to see it as well. Now, the Cavs have made moves this offseason, of course, re-signing Jared Allen to a five-year, $100 million deal, picking Evan Mobley at number three, and then recently bringing in Lowry Mark. And now it is always a confusing move to start two centers and then have two power forwards come off the bench, which is likely what's going to happen with Kevin Love and Larry Markin. Is there any chance that Markinen with his shooting and spacing does start over Evan Mobley? Because again, I think Mobley long-term is a center. That's what made that Allen deal a little bit more confusing to me. Um, and yeah, his shooting is not quite there yet. Yes, his size maybe isn't quite there to be uh, the center that you need at this point. But is there a chance that they just bring Mobley off the bench uh, at least to begin the year? You know, it's actually an interesting situation. It, it depends on how secure J.B. Bickerstaff and Kobe Altman maybe feel about their job heading into the season. To open things up, the Cavs do have a pretty brutal stretch. They open up in Memphis against Memphis, and then they go home for a back-to-back against Charlotte and Atlanta. Then they take a West Coast road trip against both Los Angeles teams, Phoenix and Denver, which, you know, isn't ideal for a team like that. And... Like I mentioned, for that starting lineup, the average age would be 21.5 years old if you started all five of those players together. So maybe you include Larry Markin in there just to inject a little bit of talent, make things a little bit better for the Cavs. But at the same time, that's an interesting situation. But I, I think with him being the third overall pick and the Cavs really pushing the notion that they can play Evan Mobley alongside Jared Allen, I think Larry Markkinen is just more an ideal shooter that you can bring off the bench in reserve of Mobley. And I think J.B. Bickerstaff will get a little creative, get a little tinkering and stinkering with it, too, and maybe even play Markkinen at the three and go three bigs with two small guards and Sexton and Garland and 
Just make my co-host Chris Manning would rip out his hair. Um, yeah, that would make me rip out my hair as well. But they did it last year because they were playing like Dean Wade at the three at times and Larry Nance played at the three because we're going to get to this to a second. There is no wings on this team really whatsoever. Um, Colin Not Sexton is an undersized shooting guard. There's Isaac Okoro who you can't really shoot at this point. There's Chetty Osman and then there's... Damien Dotson, I guess. Like it's a very, very yeah weirdly, weirdly constructed roster. Um, I guess the, the concern with that starting lineup is is going to be the shooting because the three, the four, and the five all can't shoot at this point. So putting Markin in there at least gives a spacing option that opens up the driving lanes for Garland and, and opens it up for Sexton there as well. So I could see them doing it, and I don't really. I don't think that it would mean that Markin would come in and play 35 minutes and Mobley would play 20 minutes. It would still probably be a similar minute split. Like if, if you, you know, which again, I, I do think they start with Mobley there. Do you think that Mobley starting is a you know, 33 minutes a night or is it like, let's go with 28 minutes a night and then see where that, where, where that goes from there. And then maybe we ramp that up as the season moves on. Yeah, it's interesting to think what the Cavs really do here. I think Kevin Love is a big factor as well. If you more or less tell him to stay home and give him the J.R. Smith treatment and you looked at it, the shooting doesn't get better if you tell Love to go home because then your options then are Lamar Stevens possibly getting some minutes who is pretty much a non-factor on the perimeter. Um, Jared Allen and like you said, Jared Allen, Isaac Okoro, Devin Mobley are really non-shooters in their own right as well. Uh, Larry Markin is really the only option off the bench right now. If Dylan Windler's healthy and the Cavs utilize him more as a perimeter shooter instead of a slasher like they did last season. I think that's more of an indictment on J.B. Bickerstaff and his offensive schemes. But Dylan Windler is an option too, but he's a bit of a long shot. I think when we were talking about possible rotations, I said, if you want to include Dylan Windler, go ahead. But it all hinges on his health. But I just don't think he's a priority going forward. But shooting is an issue for this Cavs team. Um, I know losing Larry Ness Jr., which we will talk about in a second here, um, wasn't obviously a huge loss in terms of shooting, but there's a loss in other ways. And I guess marketing is a huge injection of that, but you're also hoping that things kind of balance out. Maybe they're gambling on their internal growth as well. Like Isaac Okoro worked on his shot reportedly this summer. Apparently Colin Sexton from what I heard is knowing is well knowing that he has to take more threes to make the offense just easier for him and for the team in general. And you hope Jarius Garland can just stay healthy because he was Cleveland's second best shooter behind Torian Prince last year. And now Torian Prince gone, in theory, Darius Garland is Cleveland's best shooter heading into next season. Yeah, I would say he's their best shooter because he takes you know quite a large volume of those threes. And you mentioned that with Sexton. Sexton's shooting numbers look great, but he takes like three or 3.5 per 36 or something very, very yeah. small where he does need to get that volume up. Whereas Garland, I think, is like a seven or eight per 36 uh, three-point type of player, which is way more impactful in terms of hurting uh, opposing defenses. We're going to get into the bench rotation in a second, Evan. Before I do that, though, it is almost football time. In fact, at the time of us recording this, college football has begun. Pro football uh, preseason is going. And if you want to put your knowledge to the test, Bet Online is the place for you to do that. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest in the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest. It's open now at Bet Online. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. You make a bet on the season opener Thursday, September the 9th, the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose that bet, BetOnline will refund you up to $25 for new customers who sign up using the promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers available to you at BetOnline. BetOnline are your online sportsbook experts. Let's go into talking now about that bench rotation 
uh, Evan, because, um, well, you, you tell us what you think it is. And, and I did include Dylan Windler in this graphic here with a big question mark next to his name. So how do, how is this bench rotation going to look? Well, it, Ricky Rubio for sure is yep. going to be penciled in as either the sixth man or one of the first options off the bench. Um, depending on what they do with marketing, marketing will be an option off the bench as well. If the Cavs decide to start marketing alongside Allen and bring Mobley off the bench, you just swap those two out. After that, you maybe think it's Kevin Love if he's not available in back-to-back situations just because of injury concerns or maybe they're trying to shelf him a little bit. He's going to be out towards the back end of the rotation. Then after that, it's probably Jetty Osman and then Dylan Windler. And then after that, if you really want to stretch things out, maybe Dean Wade or Lamar Stevens get some minutes as well. But other than that, I think the core bench options will be Rubio. It'll be marketing or Mobley, depending on how the season starts. Love and then... Osman, then eventually Windler if he's healthy and available. But that's a huge if, of course. Last year, this team didn't really have a backup point guard. It was Garland and then Sexton would handle backup point guard role. Matty Delavidova was out basically the entire season with a concussion. And then when he played, he struggled. So we saw that you know, switching, I guess, between Garland and Sexton of handling that role. Now they have a legitimate backup point guard. So yeah, Rubio is not going to be, I don't think, playing that your role of when you know, Garland plays 34, Rubio plays 14. I don't think that's going to be the case. There'll be a lot of mixing and matching there, and we'll see a, you know probably a similar role to what Rubio played in Minnesota, where he gets 20 or so minutes tonight, and at least gives them capable point guard play for 48 minutes of the game. In terms of marketing, we'll, let's circle back to him because it is the fresh news in terms of minutes where he, he sits. Now, he is a guy who's a horrendous defender, and he needs a lot of the ball and a lot of minutes to really have a huge fantasy impact. In terms of whether he starts or comes off the bench, the Cavs did invest, what's 50, 40, 50 million, 45 million guaranteed money over three years with some non-guarantees on that fourth year in him. What are they looking at with him? Is he like that super sub sixth man or starter that plays 29, 30 minutes regardless of his position in the rotation? Are they just like, we just want talent and we just, you know, very much like they're not the Hawks, but like the Hawks did with Gallinari last year, we'll pay him $20 million and he plays 22 minutes off the bench as a reserve there. Like, what do you envisage Markinen's role being here? I think, I think honestly, the Gallinari role is a good way to look at it where you, he just brings in an injection of shooting, which Cleveland was dead last and team three-point shooting last season and i think naturally marketing brings that percentage up and like i said you're also hoping that maybe isaac okoro takes that leap and then sexton and garland take that leap as well to just kind of lift themselves up from the absolute basement of uh three-point shooting in the league and then after that you, uh, you just yeah like you said i think the gallinari rule is a good way to put it maybe 20 25 minutes a night just depending on Foul situations as well, because I think if you start Evan Mobley, you don't want to throw him completely into the Lions' den yet, but he's probably going to struggle a little bit at first, especially if he has to play stretch of your big men on the perimeter as well. And, I mean, he showed a little bit of an ability of that in Summer League where he is defending players in the post and able to switch on guards on the perimeter, and he defended them pretty well. But there's a huge talent difference, obviously, between Summer League and actual league play. So marketing will fluctuate a little bit, but I think he will be a super six man. Like you said, that's a good way to put it. Honestly, I think the Gallinari role like in Atlanta is a pretty good way to compare it. Um, You just hope Laurie can stay healthy. I know Gallinari also isn't the most healthiest player, but he was pretty solid for Atlanta last season. So it's an option for sure. And maybe a sneaky option in terms of fantasy as well. Yeah. Marketing has had injury problems throughout basically every year of his career, whether it's 
weird like abdominal side issues and you know, just random injuries all throughout his career so far. So hopefully he can stay healthy. But yeah, I'm not expecting a 33-minute-a-night role, which I think he played in year two in Chicago. Um, let's... Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, I, I, if the Cavs did that, then uh, something has gone very, very wrong. Let's talk injury update. And the only real guy at the moment who is dealing with an injury is Dylan Windler, who missed again at the end of last season with a, a knee problem. It, he missed his entire rookie season. Um, he's struggled to shoot since he's come back. Do we have any, I was going to say concerns, because obviously we have huge concerns, but is he going to be ready to start the season? I, I You would hope he would. I think Chris Fiore of Cleveland.com did an interview with Dylan Windler where Dylan Windler was progressing towards being available for hopefully training camp in the beginning of preseason, the regular season. But the impression I've been given by the Cavs when talking about Dylan is, they're going to bring him along slowly and not rush him because I think part of the problem is he has been so injury prone. It's started since Salt Lake City Summer League, his rookie season, yep. uh, two, three seasons ago. And it's just kind of just been an uphill battle for him ever since where he's just every time he feels like he's on the precipice of being available, an injury sets him back or completely derails his season. And he looked he looked solid at times for Cleveland last season when he was healthy. But it's again, it's a big it's a big if um, Dante Exum is another good example of that where Exum looked pretty good when he was healthy for the Cavs, but Cleveland can seldom rely on Exum then. And I don't think they could really rely on the going forward now. And like, that's why I keep saying like he's a fringe option at the end of the rotation. If he's healthy, great. I think he will get minutes just because he provides shooting, he provides spacing. He's provides something that's a necessity for Cleveland's offense, but you also can't have your game plan Pencil in Dylan Windler is a surefire thing every single night as well because you cannot rely on him to stay consistently healthy. And maybe it's the cynic in me as well, but if you just kind of take it one step at a time and just say, okay, he's healthy, we can rely on him. But at the same time, you ha- I have to see it happen. Like I needed to see it happen consistently to say, like, okay, I can rely on Dylan Windler being available tonight. Let's go through some other stuff here with this team. Um, Kevin Love, we've mentioned his name sort of roundabout so far. There was a report today from Woj saying that he's not seeking a buyout. There's been no buyout discussion. I think he's owed $60 million over the next two years. You mentioned the yeah, J.R. Smith uh, J.R. Smith role of him not playing at all for this team. Yeah, he played like 24 minutes a night last year. So if, let's say, miraculously he is healthy, let's say he does play on this team, what's his role going to be? Like 18 minute a night backup center, um, yeah, 26-minute super sub with Markin in there, not playing at all. Like, What are the expectation here for Love? Who was... Um, visibly frustrated at times with the team last year. And it would seem that a, a move of some description would be better for, for all parties, but it just doesn't seem like it's happening. Yeah. I, I So in terms of the buyout, I've been... I think people are overreacting a little bit. I think people are hearing conflicting reports. I've consistently heard for a while that... If a buyout were to happen, it's going to be a long, drawn-out plot process. Something that was compared to is the Blake Griffin buyout with Detroit. Like... Blake and his camp approached the Pistons about buying out his contract, but the Pistons said, okay, you're going to give us back X amount of dollars in order to make it happen, and we'll happily buy you out. And, you know, a player like that, I don't blame him, especially if you're Kevin Love, you're making $60 million over the next two years. I would want to keep every single penny of that if I was him. Um, so I think the Cavs are going to drag out this process. If the Cav- if Kevin Love doesn't want to be in Cleveland and he wants to play with a contender, if whether it's Brooklyn or if he goes to play in his hometown Portland Trailblazers or he teams back up with LeBron in Los Angeles – I think it's going to be a drawn out process. I think until then, the Cavs are going to kind of handle him with kid gloves a little bit. So in the event he doesn't get hurt, because you also there's a fear with him because 
the start of last season, it was an Achilles injury. Then it became a calf injury. And those two go hand in hand with one another. And you don't want to risk him rupturing his Achilles because that's career altering. And I think that's a disservice on the part of the player and on part of um, the organization is or for the organization as well, because you're sending the rest of the team back. Um, but a lot like Dylan, whether you can't reliably have Kevin love in the team's future going forward. I don't think clearly he is in the team's future going forward because the Cavs are trying to trade him and nothing's coming to fruition. Um, I think the team USA news where the calf injury is still lingering. It's he it suffered more as a setback than anything. And it cost him the withdrawal from Tokyo. Uh, definitely wasn't a good thing either. I think that was his last opportunity to really get traded. So to answer your question, I think 15, 20 minutes a night, he'll play minutes at the four and the five uh, Cleveland from what I gather, doesn't want to rush Evan Mobley into playing backup five when Jared Allen goes to the bench in certain scenarios because he's just so small at 215 pounds. So maybe they put Mobley in at the four and defend smaller players and then put Love in at the five and Love will kind of get beaten up by some of the bigger big men. But you just make it work in theory, I suppose. But 15, 20 minutes a night, he'll provide some spot-up shooting in the perimeter. He'll provide shooting as well. I think you'll notice like um, the Cavs three point offense before Kevin Love came back was abysmal. And then it was still pretty bad when he came back with the number of attempts went up as well, which is always encouraging. And then you just kind of work forward from there. Evan, we'll talk more about the Cavs in a sec, but I'm going to tell you about Rock Auto. Because if you are looking for parts for your car, you don't want to waste your time going into a local chain auto parts store. You can get access to these parts at a cheaper price without dealing with the often intimidating questioning at rockauto.com. Evan, do you know how to fix your own car? Uh, I do, actually. I actually used Rock Auto last summer to fix my car. All my guests are coming on and telling me, oh, I bought this, bought this part from Rock Auto. I fixed my own car. And as I said, I have no idea how to fix my own car. But if I did, Rock Auto would be the place that I'd go to because I don't want to spend extra money, 30, 50, 100% more for the same parts from a dealership or from an auto parts store. It seems ridiculous. RockAuto.com is an online family business that's been serving auto parts customers for 20 years. They have everything you can need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets. So go and explore their easy-to-use website right now and find the parts that you need. And once you have found those parts that you need, type locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And when you if you if you do happen to go to a local chain auto parts store, you chastise yourself to begin with, but if you might be waiting in that line, you get hungry, pull a built bar out of your pocket because it is the best tasting protein <laughs> bar you can find. It is like a delicious treat. Evan, what's your favorite flavor? I'm going to ask all my guests this because I know they all have a favorite. What's your favorite built bar? I'm actually partial to the cookies and cream or the grasshopper. Yes. I'm more of a sweets guy. Cook- so those are the best ones in my Cookies opinion. and cream is the best. I agree. That is my absolute favorite flavor. Cookies and cream, the number one flavor. Get yourself a box of cookies and cream the same way that I would and Evan would. Um, but there are other flavors out there as well. Raspberry, strawberry, orange, uh, salted caramel, plus the grasshopper cookie, as Evan mentioned. There's a raspberry cheesecake, which is also really, really good that's just been re-released. And if you don't know your favorite flavor, get a mixed box. 18 bars, nine flavors, two of each, and you get to try their delicious range. But not only are these delicious treats, but they are healthy as well. 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories per bar, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. So go to built.com and use our promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your order at built.com. So built.com, LOCKED15, 15% off. Go and do it. You know that you want to. All right, Evan, let's go on to the next question here about the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, Evan Mobley, long-term plan. They have signed... Jarrett Allen, five years, $100 million. They drafted Evan Mobley, seven-footer, at pick number three. I firmly believe that Mobley is a long-term center. Yes, he's skinny at the moment, but 
I think his ability to protect the rim, his ability to defend, his ability to be a passer from that position, I think there is some shooting ability that will come. And the size is already there. I think he's a center as well. So do they Do they actually, like, okay, we'll protect him and play him at the four this year. But do they actually view him long-term as that front court partner with Allen, do you think? Yeah, I really do. I think wow, you okay. saw a little of them testing that during summer league when they were playing alongside Fiondu, Cobb, and Gale. Like, huge stark contrast in talent between Kevin Gailey, no diss to him and Jared Allen. But, but Kevin Gailey can shoot at least. Yeah, he can shoot it at least. And Allen, you're hoping he can add a three-point shot to his repertoire. He took threes in Cleveland, which is something he never really mm. did in Brooklyn. But I think Brooklyn had more of an offensive infrastructure than Cleveland ever really did because, like I said, Cleveland's offense is fairly vanilla under Bickerstaff. But I think you try to bring him along silly. Like I said, he's 215 pounds, but people who are worried about him being small and skinny and for the, despite his frame for the rest of his career, shouldn't worry too much. His brother is at USC and he weighs 235 and they have a similar physique in terms of just where they're at respectively in their age. And, um, yeah, I, I'm not too, too overly concerned about Mobley and Allen working long-term. I think it's going to be clunky. I think it's going to be a little awkward at times, but, Let's say Mobley takes a huge leap and he looks better as a five than he does a four, all over Chris Bosch in Miami. I think Jared Allen, he's on a lengthy contract. It's five years, a hundred million. So we'll just, I think it's 20 million annually. It's like a flat rate. Um, I think you could find interested suitors in him. I think the Cavs might be a little hard pressed to, but I think Jared Allen is such a positive asset at least. And if they're able to flip him into something, let's say Mobley just transcends and becomes like the franchise's center and they're able to flip Allen for something else, you explore that avenue then. But until now, yeah, I think the pairing works in theory. But I need to see in more in execution because he played well alongside Cap and Gala. Yes, his stats are underwhelming if you compare him to Suggs or Green in Summer League or even Kate Cunningham. But I think being a big band, it isn't the best to be put in an exhibition showcase where it's a lot more of a ball dominant or a guard and ball dominant situation there. So I think he's going to be beneficial to the Cavs in a lot of ways. I don't think you're going to see a lot of like high volume, like offensive numbers, but defensively in terms of playmaking, rebounding other things like that, other categories, he'll be helpful. And I think Allen will just kind of help him cover up alongside other big men. And then hopefully the overall spacing isn't too, too clunky long-term and, yeah, maybe the shooting is a little bit more improved as well. Mobley said he's been working on his shot, but we'll we'll see what happens because Isaac Okoro said the same thing, and Isaac Okoro wasn't the best shooter from the perimeter his rookie season either. I look forward to having this conversation in three years' time where we're talking about the Cavs buying out the last $40 million of Jared Allen's contract because he's playing 12 minutes coming off the bench behind Mobley. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> We'll see how it I, works I shook out. my head at that because that's likely what's that, that that's likely a, a possibility for Cleveland. There's never a so just just as a sidebar, I was on the phone with somebody who covers the Cavs and we were just chatting a little bit and I'm like, you know, it's kind of a quiet Friday. And as soon as we hung up the Larry Nance Jr. trade was announced, and I texted him, I said, There is never a dull moment with this team, whether you want it to be or not. There's always something uh, at least interesting or uh, up for debate happening with this squad. I'll, I'll say it uh, say it that way. And then the last last question that I've had for you is about Colin. Sexton, who, you know, if you look at raw numbers, you go, oh well, that he's you know twenty point per game scorer, you know, hyper efficiency, um, you know, really leading this team in terms of you know, being able to improve as a three point shooter. But there's always whispers that come out about him. Like, do they want to extend him? Will they trade him in this off season? So, do you think that they are committed to Colin Sexton being the the number one guy on this team, the the player that they hope can develop maybe into like a a Zach Levine type number one guy on the Bulls? 
Are they committed to giving him an extension? Because we haven't heard about that yet. Will they let him play out through restricted free agency? Or do they view Garland and Mobley as those two, you know, one and two type stars moving forward? And Sexton, you know, long-term is maybe viewed as a sixth-man type player. See, it's a little tricky with Colin because I two years ago, if you asked me this question, I would have firmly said, yes, he's a six-man. But it's hard to really figure out where he fits on this roster because this Cavs team is a losing team. They've been a losing team for the last three years since LeBron has left town. We're entering year four of life without LeBron James again. And this Cavs team really hasn't shown any direction towards becoming a winning franchise. So I can't really tell you what Colin Sexton is going to be. I think the Zach Levine comparisons make sense in terms of offensive repertoire, but I just think since Colin is a six, one guard and Zach's a lot bigger than him, I just don't think he'll be able to reach those physical comparisons, but, but a lot of it in terms of like, yeah, he puts up really good numbers. He is efficient. Like you said, he's a three-level scorer. I think his shot profile is a little clunky for me. I think if he took more threes, I'd feel a lot more comfortable with him starting alongside Garland. But I'm also not the biggest fan of this small backcourt as well. I think, you know, they're they're trying to copy something similar to what maybe Portland is doing right now. But we see Portland get shredded in the playoffs because Dame and CJ aren't really the best defensively either. And I think... Yeah, I'm curious because throughout this summer, I've been hearing murmurs from other teams that are trying to reach out to the Cavs and see if Colin is available in trade. I think any player is available for the trade in a trade as long as it's for the right price. I think Larry Nance Jr. is a good example of that because Larry Nance Jr. is literally from Cleveland and was a Cleveland fan who just lived and died by this uh, city and really got the fan base. And it it was a tough move PR wise, but I think Sexton will sign an extension. I don't think it'll be anything close to the max. I think he'll get like a four, maybe a five year deal and a pretty reasonable cost controlled deal. But I think they'll also let him test the waters of restricted free agency if he gets to that as well. And I think my my co-host Chris Manning and I go back and forth on this a lot too, but I think they are seeding the the reins to Darius Garland a little bit as well to be, the lead ball handler and kind of, you know, not the face of the organization thing. Mobley will get that distinction because Mobley in theory is the best player in this young core. I mean, potential wise, but you have a solid foundation with Garland and Allen. Sexton is a nice complimentary piece. He's more than outperformed the expectations of an eighth overall pick, which is super encouraging to begin with. And then Evan Mobley as well. He sprinkled that in. And then there's Isaac Okoro too. Like the Cavs have a fun young group, but, Sexton is just kind of the biggest X factor right now. And it's kind of hard to peg exactly what he's going to be because this Cavs team isn't a winning team because what if he's just a high volume scorer on a bad team and you put him in a winning situation, do you get the same results or do you see them absolutely crater because he can't have the ball as much in his hands that he has to get the rest of the team involved or he isn't just going to get as many looks on offense. I was going to, yeah, tra- well, not I was going to, I am going to transition this into one final question, Evan. Who is the best player on this team by the season's end? Oh, season's end. Gosh, that is a tough question. Um, I want to say Jared Allen would be the answer going into the season, and I feel comfortable saying that at the end of the season as well because he's so consistent just compared to the rest of the roster. But maybe Darius Garland, if he stays fully healthy, I think he really has potential to take that next leap. Um, I talk about in his rookie season, he showed a lot of flashes of potential, and I said, okay, the Cavs might have something here for the lead guard of the future. And then in his sophomore season, we really saw those flashes become like bursts where we say, okay, the Cavs really do have something here. Now I just need to see him stay healthy in order to make that a sustainable thing. But I'm going to take the coward's answer and say, Alan, just because he's so consistent and I can reliably expect him to be out there on a night to night basis. 
personally, I think it is going to be Garland. Um, he was absolutely flying towards the end of last season, and then ankle injury really slowed him down. And you're right, injuries have been a See, real that, problem. That's for him. that's the thing. Yeah, it's just is. injuries really. He has this solid like it's just such a disappointment because he's so solid at times and he looks so great out there and then he just has a setback with the injury and you're like damn hopefully but, he can bounce back from it and i think that i think he was held back as well because once they knew the playing tournament was out of reach the Cavs might have done a little I bit of so, yeah. sneaky tanking with all toronto absolutely We'll see what happens next year, maybe with this Cavs team trying to actually play some meaningful basketball for once. Well, Evan, thank you for coming on, discussing this Cavs team with me. If you want to hear more of Evan and Chris talk about the Cavs, there is Locked On Cavs five days a week. Check that out wherever you get podcasts. Uh, Evan, thank you for uh, for coming on with me. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And that'll do it for today's show. Don't forget, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey and while on YouTube. Hit thumbs up, leave a comment down below, subscribe, tell your friends, thumbs it up in the chat, whatever you want to do, just get it out to people. And remember, there will be a Cavs fantasy show coming really, really soon, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.